The code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis. And I'm Heather Artis. Thanks for joining us for Minute 32 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. The Pirates of the Caribbean Minute listener contest is on the way and details will be announced on Monday. So be sure to tune in or check out our Facebook page on Monday for the details. And I'm looking forward to it, and it should be exciting. It should be very exciting. Well, for mostly, at least that person. Yeah, and mostly exciting because I need to actually get my act together and finish putting it together since I've been stalling <laughs> on it. In the previous minute, Captain Jack Sparrow refutes the claim that the Black Pearl leaves no survivors. We are introduced to two crew members, and one is sporting a wooden eye as the attacking pirates converge on Port Royal ready for some hand-to-hand combat. Minute 32 begins with a pirate lighting the fuses of two grenades from his smoldering beard and proceeding to throw those explosive devices through a couple of Port Royal shop windows. He manages to avoid the effects of the explosions, leaving the blast radius because he is chasing a screaming woman. The minute ends with Norrington ordering Governor Swan to barricade himself in his office as we cut to Elizabeth stepping onto her balcony to observe the fighting and chaos in the town below. The final shot is a group of pirates reaching and opening the gates of the Swan Mansion. (sighs) Exactly. So do you have any place you want to be in? This guy with his grenades. Does the guy think he's Blackbeard or what? Yeah, that's exactly what I had. (laughs) Is he acting Blackbeard? So he has these two grenades and they have the fuses on them. So it's not like a traditional grenade, but it's an old timey kind of small hand bomb. Yeah. Really. With fuses on it. And he uses his smoldering beard. So he has twisties in it that are like. Like Blackbeard did. Yeah, so it's really these fuses that are tied into, these lit fuses that are smoldering and tied into his beard. So he uses those to light the grenades, and then he's tossing them through the windows. So those light the grenades. Aren't you worried your beard's going to catch fire? Maybe it was, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't as oily or something. I don't know how that works. You just don't want to get a lot of gunpowder all over your beard. Yeah, push <laughs> Yeah, so the whole thing's going up. But I think this is definitely in the running for one of the best ways to start a minute. I mean, a guy lighting grenades <laughs> with his beard and then throwing them into some shop windows to explode. It doesn't get better than that. And then he seems a bit crazy as he's chasing after this woman. Yeah, he is a crazy guy. <laughs> he's just all hopped up on the, the pillaging and the plundering for sure. Yeah, his adrenaline's really going. Yeah, he is. And I think we mentioned a little bit about this in previous episode when we were discussing what real pirates look like, and a few words about Blackbeard, especially kind of with the smoldering fuses in yeah. his beard. But I thought with this crazy pirate, we could engage in a little help from Blackbeard once again, especially since this character is loosely inspired by him. And again, that's because of the smoldering strands that are tied into his beard. And I think we even heard some of the production designer talk about some of that, and and you can really see that. So it's sometimes hard to see. And so if you really, if, once you notice it, then you can see that it's smoking and, you know, that his beard is doing that. Yeah. With that said, and some things about Blackbeard, according to National Geographic, hissing through his teeth, Blackbeard, one of the most dreaded pirates who ever lived, jumps onto the deck. He stands tall and lean. Pieces of rope burn like fuses among coils of his black hair. Sashes stuffed with pistols and daggers crisscross his huge chest. Black ribbons flap from the braids in his beard. Terrified sailors flee. Blackbeard and his fierce crew have pirated another ship. 
And actually, what's interesting, that's just not National Geographic. That's National Geographic for kids that I got that oh, from. Oh, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> so all over America, frightened kids are, are going to bed. Blackbeard's going to get me. Yeah, exactly. But according to Charles Johnson, he was an author, Blackbeard was cruel, even going so far as to light sulfur and other combustibles below deck, saying, let us make a hell of our own and try how long we can bear it. According to Benerson Little, and he was the author that I quoted before uh-huh. from uh, the Pirates, Pirates of the Golden Age, or the Golden Age of Pirates, this example is likely to actually have been invented. Reality, however, is showing that during his entire career, Blackbeard captured no large ship, no rich ships after a fight, sacked no towns or cities, defeated no man of war ships that were sent to capture him, even though some have mistakenly identified him as having done so. So I'm not going to weave through all of his life, but yes, he was a pirate and developed one hell of a reputation. And as Benerson Little's saying, his greatest triumph really was his image, and indeed, it was a fierce one. Like the Black Flag, the image of a pirate as a fierce warrior and hell fiend, whether substance or mere superficiality, was but one more tactic based on fear. Yet I don't want to make or take away, you know, any of Blackbeard's activities. You know, I don't want to hurt his reputation as a notorious pirate now. But, you know, because after all, he was a pirate. Right. But if we kind of get back to the movie, you know, we are seeing this kind of maybe the same character. Some of these descriptions come in, at least with this particular pirate. And yeah. so it's just interesting. And I wanted to add that because it does speak to the re- the myth versus the reality of pirates. And this is kind of what we've been talking about all along. With that said, we don't want to take away from the craziness that they actually did accomplish because there is a reason that they raped, pillaged, and plundered, and they did murder, and they were cutthroats and all that stuff. But sometimes their legend was bigger than the actual person, so to speak, or at least an exaggeration of some of the things that they've done. And that kind of draws distinction or at least draws some comparisons, I should say, with like the Black Pearl and the legend that precedes that ship or the crew or the captain from what we've heard from, say, Mulroy. Right. And back to the movie, what we're seeing here, like the grenades and the lighting of fuses with one's beard, the chasing of women, it's it's all what we as an audience want to see. And it was successfully delivered, I think, in this yes, movie. Yes, it was. Since we're talking about Blackbeard and, you know, what we actually want as an audience or what is delivered from filmmakers to the audience... I think minute 32 is a perfect minute to share a quote from the writers and so and have some of that writer insight. And the screenwriters Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott, when they're talking about storming the Port Royal scene, they indicated there were certain pirate myths they had to follow. It's pirates were rapists, murderers, and cutthroats, as we were already talking about. And we see this in our opener with the pirate throwing grenades through the shop windows and then chasing a screaming woman. And they said, actually, here's the quote that I was referencing. Pirate conventions are pirate untruths. But we still have to acknowledge them because as an audience, that's what we know. Right. So our, yeah, it's our definition of pirates. Uh It's a romanticized thing. And so if we didn't have that, you know, the movie wouldn't be quite as successful probably. Right. Because it's what we believe and. Yeah. And that's what makes it fun. If you do it real and. Yeah. Because sometimes if there's a different realism, it changes the tone and be like, if we're talking about, you know, a true pirate movie, maybe more like. Captain Phillips, which is that Tom Hanks movie about the Somali pirates and things like that, that has such a different tone and a feel with its realism compared to what we're seeing here of 18th century pirates and and storming the the fort or storming the town and, and that fun aspect of it. And that's probably what you were getting at in the last minute when you were having trouble 
maybe talking about why the explosions weren't maybe as realistic is because you're not necessarily seeing the soldiers as really those you're not really in touch with them as exactly real people if that makes any sense out there to everybody compared to as i was just saying maybe captain phillips where you look at the people on board the ship or the crew and then they're overtaken by pirates that has a sense of realism to it because those people say actually existed or you know it's based on a true story if we want to say that right and so the difference is if you were to see maybe explosions or people getting slashed or cut in that situation it hits you differently emotionally than it does in Pirates of the Caribbean, where you know it's more of a fictitious rendition of maybe a pirate battle. It doesn't have that same emotional tie because they don't have that based on a true story disclaimer in the front. So maybe that's where you're trying to that's, get at. That's a good explanation, because I tried to explain it by saying the difference between a war movie and this. You know, you could see that it's different. You know? Yeah, it's different. I think maybe you were using comedy as maybe the wrong word for that. yeah. But that that's kind of where I go, I or maybe you put how I comedy see it. in there. But yeah. Oh, we'll review the tape on that one. <laughs> Getting back to the movie, we see our crazy Blackbeard esque pirate then start to chase a woman, is where we left off, or before we got on all these tangents, and then we cut to Will Smith in the blacksmith shop, and he grabs some weapons. Wait, you said Will Smith? <laughs> oh, Will Smith. <laughs> so we see our hero, Will Turner grabs some weapons from the blacksmith shop, and then he heads out just in time, or at least he runs into the street just in time to see this Blackbeard-esque pirate run by that's chasing that screaming woman. And his instinct is, you know, I'm going to take this guy down and protect the town. So he's uh-huh. already, you know, in that mindset and, and doing what he does best, which is, you know, protecting people and, and stepping up to the plate to do his civic to do your civic duty, sir. <laughs> so we know that he can throw swords, and now we'll just add axes to that list yeah. because he drops that pirate with one to the back pretty quickly. <laughs> Poor pirate. Yeah, the, he's pretty proficient at throwing stuff in there. So he, he I think must is, have been taking down these walls. Yeah, he he's just really frustrated too. It gets all back to our frustration <laughs> topic, and you know his ability to just throw swords in there. He's really ticked off. Yeah. And then around town, we're getting this full dose of destruction all around. And I know we were just giving an explanation for Heather, but she's probably laughing at all these people dying. (laughs) But, you know, so Port Royal and Fort Charles, it's all being blown up. And Uh then we have townspeople and soldiers, they're grabbing weapons to fight back. It's not like you can rely on the police or anything. It's either you help fight back or you're going to have your stuff stolen and women are going to be taken and... Nothing, or you're going to be killed, so nothing good comes of a pirate attack like this. Right, everyone for themselves. And one of my magnificent transitions is where I was going with all of this destruction and blowing things up. We actually see the gallows blow up. And these are the gallows that we were just talking about yesterday that are in the fort that we actually had that cinematography of that camera shot through it. And we were talking about the symbolism of that. So now that same gallow or those same gallows are blown to smithereens with a cannonball. So I thought, is this another piece of symbolism? I really like the symbolism here in Fort Charles and, and with Norrington and stuff. And I'm thinking, we had already talked about poor Norrington, and I'm thinking, yeah, maybe it's poor Norrington again. <laughs> is this a foretelling that he won't be able to hang pirates like Jack on this? Man, he's not going to be able to hang any of these pirates anytime soon. They just not only destroyed that, but I think it's, they got to build that the gallows again, but... It's really the symbolic nature of 
his dreams of destroying pirates has just been obliterated. Yeah. Well, he's being, they're destroying his town yeah. here. And yeah. then, you know, he can't do what he needed to do and his yeah. mission in life. And Jack's not going to hang in or swing in the gallows and neither of those other guys. And so, yeah, Norrington can't catch a break right now. No. Nope. My Poor thought Norrington. was, I guess Jack's luck is back. <laughs> Since his gallows were blown up, everything works always works out in his favor. Well, that's right. That's uh-huh. a good that's actually a really good kind of symbolic point. So it's yeah. the Norrington has the symbolism with it blowing up, and then Jack does because he's even Steven almost. Everything works out for him. It sets him right back on track. And so we're gonna see Jack gallows are blown up, pirates are coming in. We know Jack's a pirate. What what's going to happen here? Right, it's, you know. So there's some good fortune in the air for yep. him. No gallows for him. Exactly. No dawn appointment. Yeah. So I think he's looking pretty good, or at least he's you know somewhat thrilled with the situation. And I imagine when Will exits the shop and he's grabbing the you know the axes and the stuff from the wall of horrors potentially that he only has one thing on his mind and that's to make it to the Swan Mansion to protect Elizabeth. I think that's his only goal actually. Yeah. I mean, he's going to go through and he's going to stab and fight some of the pirates as he's making his way there. But I think his one goal is to get to Elizabeth Swan here. To protect Elizabeth. Yeah. That makes sense. Governor Swan looks absolutely frightened when the cannons are blazing from the ship and hitting the fort. Yeah, he does look pretty frightened on that. It's unexpected. Yeah, it's like he's never seen any action before. Yeah, and I thought the same thing. And then what was interesting, it's probably why... It's probably why Gore Verbinski and Jerry Bruckheimer cut the scene, or at least the editors you know, who are working on the film made a decision to cut the scene. But they actually did some pickup shots, I heard, in some behind-the-scenes talk. So Jack Davenport, who plays Norrington, was talking about this, is that they had Governor Swan do some lines and make some faces and stuff that they were going to maybe add in during this whole explosions all around, fort blowing up, and there's returning cannon fire and stuff. But one of the lines was that... Or one of the lines from Governor Swans that they did as a pickup was, how exciting, or something to that effect. You know, this is all exciting, or how exciting this is. I think that's why they they dropped it, or they cut it, and uh-huh. they never put it in. Because that was such an opposition to what his actual facial features are, and right. what he's experiencing that we see first. Yeah. The, to throw how exciting in there really kind of threw off, and didn't mesh with what we're seeing with his character. Right. And that would be true to his character, too. We saw that when he was on the HMS Dauntless eight years ago. Mm, yeah. He wasn't thrilled that there's potentially pirates no, out he there. Was he was worried. really scared of what's what the ha- what's happened. And it, he knows what happens when pirates invade a town. So for him to say it's exciting wouldn't have worked in this no. movie. And I'm glad that they cut that out. We were worried. We were wondering when he was on the Dauntless if it was actually because Elizabeth was with him. But I guess that's really not the case because even here, Elizabeth isn't right there. But she is here in the town. But she's she's up in the town, but she's not right there. Yeah, but she's not right there. But he knows that pirates are invading. Yeah. They come into town. It's all over with. You know, that's the the whole deal. He's the governor. Yeah. You know, they're invading the town. Pirates came in and just destroyed towns. And so the idea was that you would want to surrender... Or at least ask for a quarter that, hey, we're surrendering, don't kill us or don't kill the rest of us. Maybe he need, he's probably thinking maybe that's what I need to be doing right now is asking for a quarter from these, from these crazy pirates that are now converging on our town. Right. Norrington tell, is giving Governor Swan orders. 
So what's the ranking here? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the ranking is for who's commanding who. If the if Governor Swan is actually in charge of the military there, or if the if they're kind of separate entities, I don't know. To be honest with you, I didn't look into it, but I imagine that when there's an attack like that, the military, at least Commodore Norrington, is taking over and doing what's in his best or doing what's in the best interest to protect, say, Governor. It'd be like. The president is is under attack. The Secret Service take over and basically say, no, you're not going out there. We're getting you the hell out of there or you're going down in the bunker or whatever it is. They kind of take over for the protection. So I think that's kind of what happened here is Norrington is like, you need to barricade yourself in my office. This is what's going down. And that's like basically an order. Right. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not messing around here. Yeah. And he doesn't want... Because then there's the allegiance and then he has to stay there to protect him. He doesn't want to have, when he's got other things to worry about, he doesn't want to have to try and protect Governor Swan, who's not seasoned in any battles, yeah. to be on the fort and trying to protect this guy right. from pirate action or cannonballs or musket fire or anything like that. He wants him out of the way. It's probably really what it is. I'm going to tell him to barricade himself in the office for protection, <laughs> but I need this guy the hell out of here. He is just in the he's way. He's just in the way. I'm having to throw my body over him Yeah, because he's him asking for and... more cartridges. He needs more, you know, fire. He's trying to, say, sight the muzzle flashes so he can zoom in on where they're coming from. It's nighttime. They need to be able to see where to shoot. Nor or Governor Swan's just in the way. He needs him out of there. Yeah. And Governor Swan should actually be saying, hey, we need to get somebody up to the mansion. Well, that was my next thought. Who's protecting Elizabeth? Well, we don't know She's what happened. She's got these pirates at the gate. Yeah, but we Coming through the gate. Yeah, so then... we don't see if anybody's there or not. Yeah. We don't know. But yeah, one of the, the things that he should have had done has been like, hey, we need to get somebody up to the mansion to protect my daughter yeah. in, in the in the governor's house, if you will. Right. So maybe that happened. Maybe it doesn't. I guess we'll find out on Monday. See it on Monday. And on that note of cannonball destruction, because I really do like to have... You know, a death and mayhem transition. It's time for our top lines of the week. Happy thoughts. Take it away, Captain Sparrow. Well, the devil's a flashing. We're really badly. We got the hottest yo ho. Yo ho. Yo ho. I'm fired. I love this song. Before we get to this week's minutes, we have an entry for last week from a listener. Jean writes, her favorite line from last week was during the sword fight when Jack told Will, you need to find a girl, mate. Jean's given us all a bit of advice with this one as her comment along with the line is, in other words, you're doing way too much stuff. Don't forget the fun stuff. So I think <laughs> that's, that's awesome. good. I think that's good advice for everyone. And I don't have yep. any other comments in that. We'll just leave it at that. That's absolutely awesome. Thank you, Jean. Yep. My favorite line from the last five minutes is from the prisoner in Fort Charles Jail. He says, she's been preying on ships and settlements for near 10 years. Don't be surprised, Heather, but I don't have a lengthy explanation for this one. No hidden meanings or symbols, just plain old exaggeration and pirate myths. I'm a big fan of Mulroy's description of the Black Pearl, as everyone probably knows by now, and this just fits right into enhancing that legend. It's the legend, mythology, and reality of pirates all mixed together is what we all love about the genre. So it's just a great example of this. So that is my pick of the week in the line. And that is all I have for an explanation of it. Can you imagine that? Wow. What am I going to do? I got to talk for five minutes now. <laughs> You're going to talk to try and make up for what I normally yes. do? Yeah. No. So what, what is your favorite line? My favorite line for the week is, 
I trust you will always remember that this is the day Captain Jack Sparrow almost escaped. Wow, I completely forgot about that line. And you know my affinity for the Captain Jack Sparrow escapism quotes, especially from Norrington. Exactly. Now, Norrington's, no matter if Jack's knocked out or standing right in front of him, he's always got to put this guy down. Yeah, he's got to put Jack down, you know, make him look bad. He's got all these other guys around and he's making Jack look bad. What is it with Norrington and what's he got against Jack? Is it just because he's a pirate or is there something else behind that? Yeah, I don't know. And we talked some about this and I don't remember where it's been now. And I really should start like our own wiki page for our website so we can actually keep track of everything easily for the show of when we talked about certain things. That'd be a good idea. Yeah, so I might do that in my spare time that I never have. <laughs> but Norrington may have some connection with jack that goes beyond or at least in the expanded universe that and i think that's and that's what i've been saying i think we talked about some of this before yeah is that in the expanded universe we find out that jack and jack when jack was a teen and his father were actually captured by james norrington's father and escape prison so maybe there's some connection there or hatred that's been passed down it's like a family rival that's maybe happened the the norrington's just don't like the sparrows if romeo you and juliet or m- not necessarily oh. Rome. I don't think they're going to get together. It just oh, doesn't seem quite that. I'm not saying that's family rivalry. But you're thinking more of like the oh. Hatfields and McCoys, yeah. maybe, not Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Two separate things there, folks. Yeah, but there's still family rivalry. That's true. If you're talking about the families, you'd have to say the family names. What was the Andy Griffith ones? I don't know that one. Oh. I don't remember that time. But we'll go with Hatfield and McCoys. There might be some family rivalry there that we don't know, or the fact that he just that Jack just rubs Norrington the wrong way. And now there's even more so of when he was nuzzling against Elizabeth. So there's all then he there's escaped Yeah, there's and... things that are just building up that he's just not liking this guy. Yeah. So it's just easier for him to just put him down and to, to rub his face in the dirt, even though he was face down to say, Yeah, you didn't it's you didn't so, escape. It's so funny because he's not even awake to hear it. To make a, you know, because you know, if if Jack was awake, he would have been able to say, he would have had something to say. He wouldn't have let it just go. Exactly. You know. That's true. Yeah. Very good. So it would be interesting to know his comment, but I guess we'll never know. Yeah, we'll never know. (laughs) Thanks for sharing, Gene. And you too can share your favorite Curse of the Black Pearl lines with us on all the usual channels. Email, phone, social media. Let us know the line and what made you choose it. And we just might share it on the show. We'll be back on Monday with Minute 33 of The Curse of the Black Pearl and details on our exciting listener contest on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Thanks for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. If you like the show, then leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash pirates of the Caribbean minute, twitter.com slash blackpearlmen, and on soundcloud.com slash pirates of the Caribbean, where we post additional content, have episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags.